You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 324, Reading the Letter to the Romans. You know, when we read the New Testament, we, we see that the first part of the New Testament is composed of the Gospels. There's four of those. And then there's a uh, exciting story about the first 30 years of the church, how the church got started. That's the Acts of the Apostles. And then the, the next uh, several, several books are letters from the Apostle Paul. And then after Paul's letters, there's letters from some other people as well. And then, of course, the New Testament concludes with the um, very interesting book um, of the Revelation. And when we read Paul's letters, we see that they're, they're arranged by length, not necessarily their chronological order or their content. And so the longest letter is the letter to the Romans, so it's the very first one after the book of Acts. But um, it's actually uh, the premier letter for several other reasons. Uh, because we see in the letter to the Romans, we see the high point of Paul's theology. Romans has been described as Paul's uh, doctoral dissertation. It's been described as, the, as I just said, the high point of his theology, the high point of his ministry. At the time he wrote it, he was in uh, the city of Corinth, and actually those two letters come, come next. But uh, the, the, the letter to the Romans was written while he was in Corinth. And it's, of course, it's written to a church in the, the city of Rome. And it's interesting because it, it's written to a, a church that he had never visited before. And so he's introducing himself. He's giving his theology. He's, he's telling the people what he believes in preparation for a visit. In fact, he talks about the fact that he's planning to come visit them very, very soon. But before we actually dig into the, the letter itself, and we'll probably spend a few episodes on, on the letter to the Romans because it's so worth talking about. Um, but before we dig into the letter, today I want to kind of touch on how the letter to the Romans has impacted people through history. How the letter of Romans has impacted people through history. And the first person I'm going to talk about is, is Augustine. Augustine is one of the church fathers. He lived during the 300s. He was born in North Africa. And he um, if you've ever had a chance, or maybe you haven't, I would encourage you to read his confessions. Augustine wrote a number of different things, but his confessions is his most favorite writing. It's his autobiography, and it's absolutely fascinating. I've written it, uh, read it several times, and I keep going back to it because it is a classic in, in, in literature, not just in the Christian world. And so if you've never read confessions, by all means, check it out. But confessions is where we... We, we, we see Augustine going through this spiritual awakening. He says, my, my soul is restless, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. But 
he he grew up and his mother who was a christian was praying for him and he he had no desire himself to become a, a christian in fact he ran from his mother's prayers as fast as he could he enjoyed um, as one writer said, the, the false trinity for young men, loud parties, beautiful women, and stiff drinks. And, and that really was Augustine. He enjoyed um, the things that this world had to offer. In fact, he even had a mistress that he had a child with, and so he never married her. But um, his life had some complications because of the choices he had made. But um, in, in, in A.D. 386, so almost um, you know, getting towards the end of that century, pushing towards 400, um, Augustine had a crisis, uh, an emotional breakdown. When you read the, the Confessions, that's really what it sounds like because he was under conviction. Things weren't going well in his life. His mother was praying for him that the Holy Spirit would convict him. And he really was, in essence, running from God. And one day he was visiting a friend. He was at, at that person's house. He was in the backyard, in the garden, and there were some, some documents, some, some scrolls, some books on the table, and the uh, a voice kind of came over the wall, maybe from the next house over. Maybe it was something more supernatural. We don't know, but a voice uh, of a child in a sing-song voice yelled out, take and read, take and read. And Augustine was actually sitting. He had his head between his hands, and he was trying to decide to do, you know, what to do about his life. He was he was broken, as I said. He's probably having a nervous breakdown. He didn't know what to do, and so he heard this voice saying, "Take and read." So he 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 reached over onto the table and grabbed a copy of Paul's letter to the Romans, and he just flipped through it, and. The, the pages fell open to this passage. This is from chapter 13, verses 13 to 14. And listen to what Paul said. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And you know, for, for, for many people, those words might not have meant anything. But for Augustine, for the life that he was living, knowing that, that, that it was wrong, knowing that he was living the wrong kind of life, but also knowing that um, his mother was praying for him and knowing that um, you know God did love him and wanting to, 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 to maybe deepen his heart of hearts, wanting to do the right thing, this passage of Scripture was was given to him and the Holy Spirit took it and it was like a, a knife, a dagger going into his heart because he knew God was speaking this word to him. But it's interesting. It's not a word of condemnation. It's a word of, of encouragement to, to, to live the right kind of life. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but so, so that's the, the admonishment to, to live a different life, but it, it's not do that in your own power. It's put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And Augustine said uh, after that moment, he said, A light flooded my heart and all the darkness of doubt vanished away. 
And as we said, Augustine um, was one of the most beloved and, and well-known church fathers, very influential uh, theologian. And, uh, you know, even to this day, people are still reading his works. And again, I would um, uh, recommend to, to read his confessions. I'll actually put a, a link to, to that in the show notes for you to check out. But then we move forward maybe 1,200 years or so, and we come to Martin Luther. And Martin Luther has an interesting story. He was the, the man who's credited with starting the Reformation. But before that, Martin, Luke was a, Martin Luther was a Catholic priest, and he, he, he really lived a, a, a miserable life. He, he, he was a monk, but he had no concept of God's love. His father, his own relationship with his own father was, was not the best. His father was an angry man, a violent man, and uh, Martin Luther had that view of God. And uh, he, 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 Talking about this himself, Martin Luther says, Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated to my satisfaction. Um, I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners and secretly, if not blasphemously, excuse me, certainly murmuring greatly, I was angry with God and said as if indeed it is not enough that miserable sinners eternally lost through original sin are crushed by every kind of calamity by the law of the Decalogue without having God add pain to pain by the gospel and also by the gospel threatening us with his righteousness and wrath. Thus I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. So this was Martin Luther. He was an angry man and he said right here, I was angry with God. But at that moment, at that time in his life, he was asked to teach uh, Paul's letters specifically the, the letter of Romans um, at the seminary where he taught at in Germany. And as he began to study Paul's letter to the Romans, something happened. Listen to what he says. He says, Nevertheless, I beat importunely upon Paul at that place, most ordinarily desiring to know what St. Paul wanted. Paul was writing about God's righteousness, uh, Luther had seen. So what was he trying to say? And then Luther says this, At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely, in the righteousness of God it is revealed, as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. This is from Romans chapter 1. In this phrase, in this phrase, he who through faith is righteous, shall live. Luther says, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, he who through righteous faith he who through faith is righteous shall live. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. There a totally other face of the entire scripture showed itself to me. There I ran through the scripture from memory. I also found in other terms 
uh, an analogy as the work of God. That is what God does in us, the power of God with which he makes us wise, the strength of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God. And I extolled my sweetest word with a love as great as the hatred with which I had had before, hated the word righteousness of God. Thus that place in Paul was for me truly the gate to paradise. So an angry monk who who the Holy Spirit gives this insight, this revelation that it's not by your works, buddy. It's, it's through, the, the, through faith in God that we're made righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. And of course, Martin Luther became a man who changed history. The Reformation changed not only church history, but it changed the history of the world. The Reformation changed everything. In this one phrase, and Paul's letter to the Romans is responsible for that. Well, don't go away. I'll be right back. We've got two more fascinating characters that you want to hear how Romans impacted their lives. But I want to let you know, this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots is a fascinating study of 12 of the lesser-known figures in the New Testament. You know, we know about Jesus and Peter and Paul, but what about some of the lesser-known people? What about Mary Magdalene? What about um, John Mark? Uh, What about uh, Priscilla and Aquila? What do you really know about them? Well, this is a fascinating study. It's an easy read. It's great for personal Bible study or even group Bible study. This is an excellent text for you to dig through with your friends. So click on the link, check out New Testament snapshots. I know you will love it. Well, we have talked about um, how Augustine was transformed by his reading of the letter to the Romans. We've talked about how Martin Luther and history was transformed by his study and teaching of the letter to the Romans. And then we have John Wesley. John Wesley was is credited with founding the United Met or the Methodist Church. The, the Methodist Church uh, grew out of John Wesley's ministry, but it wasn't always like that. John Wesley was a pastor who testified later that he had not had a relationship with Christ. He had actually been a missionary to the U.S. He lived in England. He came to the, the colony of Georgia and uh, did missionary work, and was a complete and total failure. As he was on the the boat traveling back to England, uh, he wrote in his journal, he said, I went to save the Indians, but who will save me? Well, back in England, back in London, and during uh, uh, the 1700s, this this actually occurred on May 24th, 1738, uh, John Wesley was invited to a Bible study. He was invited to a service, to a Bible study um, in London. And while he was there, the the man who was leading the study read, as fate would have it, Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. Of course, we just talked about Martin Luther and how his life was changed. And as, as this was read to the audience, John Wesley sat and listened to how the the, the, the letter of Romans had impacted Martin Luther's life. And John Wesley said this in his journal. He said, 
He was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone, for my salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken my sins away, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. John Wesley, another man who changed history. Some people credit um, John Wesley with preventing a civil war in England. Um, He's credited with starting, as we said, the Methodist Church. Thousands and thousands and thousands of of, of people have come to faith in in these great churches through John Wesley's uh, own salvation. As we said, he was a pastor who didn't know Christ, and after encountering encountering the letter to the Romans, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and that he had taken my sins away. Well, one more, just one more. Now, this fellow is not a a well-known figure. Um, He's a a friend of mine. I used to work out with him uh, a number of years ago at at a gym, and uh, his name, we'll call him Donald. And uh, Donald, I found out, was a believer, went to a different church than mine, but, you know, we, we connected in the gym, and, you know, we shared our stories with each other. Well, his story was fascinating. Uh... He was an atheist. Um, he said, well, you know, he fluctuated between being an, an atheist and an agnostic, but he didn't want anything to do with God. He didn't want anything to do with church. And he had two sons, and he was, um, you know, he was not going to raise his, his kids in church. However, he got to thinking about it, and he thought, you know, I don't want to raise my kids in church because they're all hypocrites, right? I mean, all those Christians are just, you know, hypocrites. So I don't want to raise my kids in church. But I do want my kids to have a moral foundation. I want them to to be uh, founded on on, on truth. And, you know, I I don't even know the truth myself. And I I don't know really how to even teach my kids. And there's so many great books out there. So, you know what, I'm just going to pick up the Bible and I'm going to read the Bible and and see what what I can find. And, you know, I'm sure I'm I'm not going to learn a whole lot there. It's just an old book. That a bunch of old, you know, dead men wrote, but uh, but I at least should start there because um, there's so many great moral teachings found in the Bible. And this is him t- relating this to me. He said, and after I read the Bible, I'll go read the Koran and um, I'll read some other holy books and and you know, kind of you know, find a, a good um, basis for morality that I can teach my two sons and that they can grow up and be be good men, even though I'm going to teach them that there is no God and. And my friend Donald, as he, he, as he started reading, he read through the Gospels. He said he's going to start with the New Testament. He read through the Gospels and was impressed. He was impressed with what Jesus did. Um, absolutely amazing, you know, the stuff Jesus did. But, you know, he couldn't believe all those miracles and, you know, Jesus rising from the dead. Obviously, that stuff's all made up, he thought. He read through the book of Acts. That was good. He, he enjoyed that. But then he got to Paul's letters and, and, and again, we said the first one is always the letter to the Romans. That's Paul's first letter right after Acts. And as he started reading through the letter to the Romans, something hit him. He said, I don't even really know how to describe it, but in the first and second chapters where Paul was talking about how God has revealed himself to mankind, it's fascinating. If you've never read the first two chapters of Romans, I want you to read the whole letter, but at least read those first two chapters. 
Paul talks about how God has revealed himself, even to those who may not know God or know anything about God, He's still revealed himself to us. And then for the, for the Jews in chapter 2, he's, he, he revealed himself to them, them in a more personal way and gave them the law. But my friend Donald said, as I read through these, just the first two chapters of the letters of the letter to the Romans, he said, all of a sudden there was just something that clicked inside of me. And he said, I just knew it was true. He said, I, I couldn't explain it. There was just something that happened inside of me. And he said, I just knew that this was the truth. And he said, for the first time in my life, he said, I kneeled down and I said, he said, I talked to God. He said, I was praying on my my back deck, you know, one Sunday morning. Of course, I'm not going to go to church. But as he, as he knelt down and was praying, he asked God to come into his life. He asked Jesus to save him. And his life was transformed. His life was transformed. He became a, you know, a, a, a great Christian man, became a leader in his church. And you know, God really did something, but he said, I, I give all the credit to God, but I'm really, really appreciative of the letter to the Romans because that was what God used to transform my life. Well, what's your your impact? What's the impact of the letter of Romans been in your life? Um, I'll talk a little bit about mine as we move forward. Next week, we're going to dig into the letter itself, maybe for the next couple of weeks, and talk about how this powerful letter, talk about what Um, Paul wanted to communicate to that church in Rome. And thank God, 2,000 years later, we still have the letter to the Romans. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you've got a great story. Let me hear it. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or a comment in the comments section for today's post so that we can stay in touch. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. And uh, it's always great staying connected with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. I will see you next week on Leading In.